New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. The past 24 hours have been a blur. I only remember walking Vale out into the square, both of us spattered with blood and gray matter, everyone looking at us, some screaming, some crying. I set Vale down on a bench and motioned for a nearby woman to come over. Take care of her. If she's not in shock yet, she will be soon, I said, then turned to walk back into the building. Also, call for the doctor. I'll need his help moving brakes. The smell had already gotten bad inside. Copper. Sharp. It took me by surprise after dealing with the ammonia-tinged blood of the drifters for so long. I looked down at Briggs's body, small wisps of steam rising from the open wound as cold air drafted in. Cowardly bastard, I muttered to his body. For probably the first time since my father had brought me out to the beach, I was scared. I had seen the soul drain from Briggs's face when I told him about the drifter speaking. He knew things I never did, things that he didn't want to face. But what? The book was still lying on the desk where he had left it, now covered in a messy layer of gore. I grabbed a nearby cloth and wiped it clean, trying my best to get all of the pieces of brain and skull off. Runes were emblazoned on the cover, some of them I had never seen before. I opened the book and began reading. The pages were old and yellowed, with spots here and there from where ink had been spilled and what I think was blood. There were illustrations of drifters, making detailed notes of their autonomy and psychological traits. The next page showed the room configurations, as well as the carving for the ritual. I'd just begun to flip through to another when there was a knock on the door. Rally, what the hell happened here? Gareth, our local doctor, was standing in the doorway, a handkerchief over his face. He gazed around the room in horror before settling on Briggs's body. Oh, God! Briggs! You know anything about all this? I asked him, drawing his eyes to the book. He shook his head, looking instead at the flintlock pistol still clutched in Briggs's hand. So he did this to himself? Yeah told him about the drifter that just spoke while I was doing the ritual. He handed me this book, then blew his goddamn brains out. I haven't seen anyone that terrified since, well... Your brother? Gareth finished my thought. Go, Raleigh. I'll take care of this. I know this brings back painful memories for you. He moved from the doorway, revealing that Vale was standing behind him still with a look of shock on her face. I snatched the book off the desk and walked briskly out, grabbing her arm and turning her from the grisly scene. There were tear tracks through the blood on her face. We walked in silence towards her home. When we finally reached it, I sent her inside to clean up and sat on the porch to look further into the book. The first half seemed to be all things I already knew, about the ritual, the drifter's anatomy, 
a cipher of the runes. Then something different caught my eye. It was another illustration, but this one of a human, multiple drawings of the same person, but with subtle changes between each one. Initially, it was a lengthening of nails and teeth, small gills growing in near the nape of the neck, then the eyes turning. I don't know what they used to capture the color of the eyes in the illustration, but it was hauntingly lifelike. The next page held notes and more illustrations. Large ships at sea during a storm, being rocked by the waves. A figure standing in the water, towering above them. Then the ships being torn asunder by the wind and surf. One survivor of cargo ship Fate's Rest, a man by the name of William Stetler, noted that before the ship sank, he witnessed a looming giant on the horizon. I remembered my dream. The giant looming behind the waves of drifters, a general commanding his army. Stetler swears he saw this figure smash the ships with its own hands, causing all on board to fall into the water. Here he says they were set upon by people that looked just like them, save for a small bump in their foreheads and elongated claws and teeth. Stetler says these figures would drag the surviving crew and passengers under the water, never to resurface. The book went on to explain how Stetler had survived. He was knocked out by a plank of wood hitting him in the water, and managed to wash up on the island, much like the drifters do. When the watchman on the shore at the time found him, he was almost cleansed with the ritual, only saved because his blood was red instead of blue. Safe to say this was a surprise for the watchman. Stetler joined the watch through marriage eventually choosing to stay on the island instead of going back to his home on the mainland. He is responsible for one of the greatest breakthroughs in our understanding of the drifters. Ten years after the accident and Stetler was on duty keeping watch one morning, when a drifter washed in, he moved to retrieve it as he normally would, but was frozen with fear upon looking at the face. Vale walked back outside, looking at me with concern as she wrung water from her hair. What are we going to do? She asked, sitting down next to me. I didn't answer, still reading and rereading the same sentence. Stetler recognized his brother, Jacob Stetler, who he had last seen dragged under the surface ten years previous. He hadn't aged, and the only difference was the small bump on his head. Vale, I said looking at her. There are things I'm still learning, along with you. Things that may cause me to falter in the coming days and weeks. I need you to promise me that if I hesitate, you will step in and finish the job. I promise, Vale said, still looking concerned. What's going to happen, Raleigh? Just then, someone came running up the path shouting my name. I recognized the same man I had stationed at the shoreline, out of breath and wild-eyed. Please, please come quick. It's going into the village. He stopped in front of the house panting and shaking. Calm down. What the hell do you mean? I asked, jumping from my chair. And how did you know I was here? Dog Gareth told me you were taking Vale home. I saw... Well, I saw Briggs. He almost looked like he was going to vomit when he said it, thinking of the mess in Briggs's office. A drifter washed up on shore. I saw it and started coming to get you, but then it... It spoke to me and asked where you were, Rally. Ah, hell, I said, beginning to gather my things and start back toward the village. 
He stopped me again before I could walk off. No, Raleigh. This one. It ain't like the others. He said, waving his hands frantically in front of him. It's him, Raleigh. I don't know how, but it's him. Who, goddammit? Who is it? Vale was shouting at him now, trying to make sense of this whole situation. River, the man whispered, looking down at the ground. I stopped dead in my tracks. I couldn't move. There was no way it could be him. He was gone. Dead. His body was never found. This guy just didn't remember what he looked like. He was confused. Who the hell is River? Vale asked, getting impatient at the lack of answers. I turned to look at her, grabbing the rune inscribed blade from my bag in the process. I handed it over to her. You don't know the ritual yet, and I may not be able to see this one through, I said. Will anyone please tell me what's going on? I can't help when I'm in the freaking dark here. Vale was practically screaming now, tearing at her hair. Who in the hell is River, and why are you so worried about him? I felt tears forming in my eyes as I looked at her. Hot bile burned in my throat, and I almost choked on the words as they came up. River was my brother. Silence smothered us as we walked back to the village square. I was beyond lost. It hit me when I read the book that something like this could be possible, but I didn't think it would happen this soon. Vale was certainly worried, shooting me looks of concern between looking down at the blade I'd given her. And finally she spoke. What did you mean that he was your brother? What happened? I knew that she needed to know. Knew that she was only asking so she could be prepared. I resented it all the same. I had grieved River since the day I had lost him, and it was only compounded by losing Dad days later. Did my dad know about this? Is that why... why he did what he did? Makes sense you don't remember it. He would have been very young. I finally replied, the words sounding as if they were coming from somewhere far away. River was out with Dad and I one day, keeping watch. He was playing in the water while Dad and I were patrolling. He was there one second, and gone the next. I don't know if it was a riptide or something else. He was just gone. So you never found his body? Vale whispered. I could feel the chill in her voice. She realized where this was going. That was twelve years ago, Vale. He was six years old. We never found him. There was a noticeable shakiness in my voice as I started to say what I feared. Dad. Dad blamed himself. Or maybe he knew the truth. Either way. He killed himself that night. Walked right out to the beach. Stood in the waves. And slashed his own throat. Dear God. Vale let out a small gasp. I found him the next morning. Tide was going out when he did it, so he didn't wash away. He was just lying there in a tide pool of his own blood. I, I... My voice cracked, remembering that day. I could still feel the cold rain stinging as it hit my skin, the wind scraping my face, sitting in the pool of his blood and shaking him, hoping he would wake up. I just sat there until I saw a drifter wash up. Then I had a duty, something I was the only one fit for. Only I could do until now. 
The village square was in sight now. I could see a crowd of people gathered around, all holding on to each other and staring at something in the middle. I stopped in the path, causing Vale to almost run into me. She hefted the blade in its sheath and looked at me expectantly as I turned to her. Remember what I told you. Step in if you falter, she nodded to me as she said it. If she was scared, she wasn't going to show it. Her gray eyes like the steel of the blade. She was well suited for this. If I make any sign of weaknesses, of not being able to do this, kill it, I said reaffirming. I can't promise emotion won't get the better of me. If I move to stop you, cut me down. Raleigh! She looked shocked at this, but the resolve returned moments later. Okay. We walked the remaining hundred yards or so into the square, the crowd parting as we came. As the last of them moved, I could see what they had been staring at. A boy, no older than the day he had disappeared, standing in the middle of the square. He had the signature bump of the drifters and pointed fingernails and teeth. Nothing had changed. He still had the short cropped haircut that dad had given him just days before he disappeared. And I could see the small slits in his neck where gills had taken shape. He gave me a sharp smile as I approached. You grew up, he said. His voice was more guttural than I remembered. The innocence of a child's voice was gone, replaced by menace and bloodlust. I've missed you, big brother. River, I replied simply. I could feel hot tears stinging my eyes. I knew he was dangerous. He could rip me to pieces in seconds if I let my guard down. I didn't change the fact that he was my brother once. He still looked like that six-year-old boy that disappeared in the waves. You don't seem as happy as I thought you would. I was hoping for more of a reunion, he replied. He looked around at the crowd that was still looking on, staring at him in horror. Why? I feel like you're all scared of me. What happened to you, River? I managed to choke out. I was showing weakness. No doubt he would try to take advantage of this. The ocean takes us all eventually, he replied. Some of us earlier than others. You and Dad didn't keep your eyes on me, and now here I am. I've come back for you, though. I wanted to show you all the wonderful things I've learned. All the amazing sights and feelings. They've taught me a lot in these few years I've been gone. Who? I asked. The others like me, of course. There are quite a few of us, as I'm sure you've noticed in the past few days. We've been busy, recruiting, creating, swelling our ranks... We bring more to him and he makes them like us. I'm sure I can put in a good word for all of you. River, this isn't you. I was talking more to myself at this point than him. I didn't want to believe this was what my brother had become. Didn't want to believe he could be this monster. You wouldn't know who I am, he roared, causing dark clouds to roll in and the wind to rise. I looked around, motioning everyone to stand back. I noticed then that Vale was no longer beside me. Please, brother, let's not do this. Come back to us, you don't have to be this way, I said to him, trying to look around for Vale without him noticing. I finally spotted her in the crowd of people, slowly moving her way through the masses, trying to flank River. I had to keep him distracted. There's no going back now. This island won't exist for much longer. All will be swallowed by the ocean soon enough. You'll all join us, or drown. 
Some of you have a choice. Some don't. He took a step forward, opening his arms toward me. I wanted to bring you with me, Rally. To extend an offer. I can bring you with me, and you can be made new. Quick. Painless. I want to help you, I continued. Vale was almost behind him. Just another minute and she would be in place. Oh, but I want to help you, Rivers sneered back at me. Vale looked at me and nodded. Now. I lunged forward at the same moment she did. Her with the blade drawn, me with my knife. All I could see before striking was Rivers' twisted smile. Vale struck just right, stabbing right into his spine. My knife found its mark in his throat, cutting any sound from him short. He managed to get two good swipes of his claws in, one striking Vale across the face, leaving four long, jagged ravines of open flesh, from her left eye down to her chin. The other had managed to catch me in the stomach, knocking the wind from me and gouging into my flesh. I felt his hand tighten into a fist, closing around whatever internal organs he could. Get some rope, I shouted at the onlookers. Two of them ran toward the nearest building and found a halfway weaved fishing net that had been left there in the excitement of the day, throwing it to Vale and I. We quickly wrapped it around River, making sure he was bound right before cutting a strip of fabric from my sleeve and stuffing it in his mouth. There. No storms if you can't scream, I said, sitting back on the ground and clutching my stomach. I looked down to assess the damage and could see heavy bleeding, as well as some of my insides, where they shouldn't be. Gareth! Where's Gareth? Damn it! Vale ran to my side, taking off her coat and applying pressure to my stomach. Her eye was swollen shut at this point. She would be lucky to see out of it again. Vale, help him, please. I was gasping at this point. The adrenaline was wearing off and the pain was taking over. The last thing I saw before passing out was Vale, tears mixing with blood on her face, and River smiling at me on the ground. I'm awake again. It's been two days since we subdued River. Gareth patched me up best he could, but the diagnosis is grim. River managed to do some damage while he was in there. Vale told me she has him locked away in Briggs's office. Said he's tied up in there, smiling at anyone who comes by. Half her face is covered in bandages. Gareth said her I should heal, but she'll never regain 100% of her sight. I've been researching the book, she tells me. She says she's learned the runes and memorized the ritual. She said there's also some talk of an older ritual. One talked about from long ago by long-gone ancestors. Something that may be able to stop all of this once and for all. That god, I guess you could call it, Vale says. The giant that creates them. There's the thought here and there by whoever put this together. They translated from some ancient notes left behind by the first inhabitants of our island. Whoever wrote this thinks that if two sacrifices are made, then he can be weakened and bound under sea. She went on explaining this further but I was drifting in and out from pain. Eventually, Gareth came back in and gave me a new dose of medicine. It didn't do much for the pain, but it sedated me. I'm in and out now. Vale is working on figuring out this ritual. If she can crack it, we may just have a way to end all of this. 
I just hope I'll live to see it.